experience Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania in 3D. Scott Lang, you have a daughter. You're an Avenger. But down here, you're out of your league. On February 17th. Kang's a monster. He can shatter existence. An Avenger. I don't care what he can do. I'm getting us home. Must face a conqueror. You may not want her to watch this. Yeah! I'm sorry, Cassie. Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Experience it in 3D. February 17th. Rated PG-13. May be inappropriate for children under 13. Hi, and welcome to Deep Dive with Jamie Stein, where we take a deep dive look at all things reality TV, pop culture, and the world at large. I'm an intuitive and an empath, which means I pick up on the thoughts, feelings, and energy percolating in other people in the world around me. I believe there is meaning waiting to be found at every turn, if you're willing to see it. So join me as we dismantle everything from trash TV to high spiritual concepts and learn more about ourselves, each other, and how we're all connected. Welcome to a special crossover event of Hot Takes and Deep Dives and... Deep Dive with Jamie Stein. Hey, Jamie. Hi, Jess. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm okay. Ready? (laughs) (laughs) The truth is we just recorded fucking 20 minutes of this and... Jamie wasn't recording his side, so we have no, to do it again. Oh, wait a second. Wait a second. Let's, let's, let's clarify that. I did record <laughs> my side. My Zoom ran out of memory and stopped recording after five minutes. I don't want this to look like I didn't hit the record button. which I He hit the record button, but then it just stopped. So we, we're going to have to redo this little intro bit, and then we'll really get be cooking with gas. So what we both have done over the past few weeks is read the book House of Hilton. Now, this book uh, was originally released in 2006 and written by Jerry Oppenheimer, who has written many or- unauthorized biographies. And this is it. This is the dishy tell-all written by a bitchy gay about the Hilton dynasty and the Richard sisters. And we're just going to break down all of the facts and then filter it through Jamie's empathic, sort of highly intuitive magic that he's able to weave through all of the mess that we have collected. Yeah, maybe bring some healing to the to the fraught Ooh. Hilton Richards family lineage lines. I mean, have you ever seen a more dysfunctional family tree? I mean, there's a lot of dysfunction out there. I mean, it's it's kind of a classic all-American tale, right? Yeah, but wasn't it the name of Kyle's show starring Alicia Silverstone? American Woman. Did you watch American Woman? No, I didn't watch it. I think I was too like incensed over Kyle kind of like stumbling and fumbling into her executive producer role and then talking about how hard she was working as she like sat there on set watching things from a golf cart. I will say in retrospect, she actually had a brilliant idea to make the te- to make a television show about Big Kathy, her mother, because Big Kathy is what she was for me, the focal point of the book. I know for you, you think who in the Hilton family did you think was the focal point? Well, I was interested in both Conrad, who's the, the the founding patriarch of the hotel line, and also his son, Nick, who I guess Nikki is named after. Um, I, I, no, I want to say I found Big Kathy really fascinating as well, too. It's just I had never... I've heard a lot about Big Kathy already, and I've heard the rumors, too, based on this book. 
I had just never before been exposed to the Hilton line. So for me, I just found a lot of that really interesting because it's, you know, it's every, maybe not every bit as salacious as the Richard side, but it's certainly filled with its own, its own dysfunctions. And, you know, they were running around with Hollywood and movie stars and, you know, there, there was a lot of juice there. And so I was surprised how interested I was in the Hilton side of things. Now, the author of this book, like I said, Jerry Oppenheimer, he spared no expense. He did not find a single person that had anything positive to say about either family, which brought a lot of comedy to some of the quotes that he was finding. And all of the people interviewed are like the third wife of the cousin of somebody who is related to it's somebody who was there or there slightly removed from the Hilton family or, or the Richards family. And they really do provide some colorful insight and some colorful memories. That's what this book is made up of. Um, he did not take the time to actually put this in any sort of chronological order. It's <laughs> very much this is very much a lost like flash forward flashback uh style of writing that could give you a little bit of vertigo Mm -hmm. just like it was hard to like i mean i had to like keep a chronological list and divide it up by big kathy the mom and then kathy hilton kim richards kyle richards that's how i kept track and then i had a separate column for all of the paris and nikki stuff well and then strangely too there's very little content about paris hilton I mean, you go into this thinking it's going to kind of be a essentially a biography of Paris with the family kind of lineage stuff as background to support the exploration of her. But really, this book is basically an exploration of her lineage. It's about the Richards family. It's about the Hilton family. And it's pretty much what you're reading, I feel like, for like 85% of it. At the end, Paris kind of bookends it. He talks a little bit about Paris at the beginning, a little bit about Paris at the end, but it's nothing that you wouldn't find on a Wikipedia article. I'm pulling up the cover right now. The main, Okay, so it's designed like a tabloid cover, and Paris and Nikki take up two-thirds of the cover, and then you have a photo of Big Kathy and Rick Hilton. You have a picture of Conrad Hilton, and then there's another photo that's too small for me to make out. But in fact, it's really all about Big Kathy. And Conrad and Nick Hilton, which that's the other interesting thing. When I closed the book, I was like, wait a second. I kept waiting because it spends so long on Nick Hilton, which don't get me wrong. He's an interesting guy. I kept waiting for it to get to Baron Hilton, who's Rick's father, and then to get to Rick Hilton. We didn't get anything about Rick Hilton. I mean, a little bit when it got into Kathy Hilton, of course, like through Kathy Hilton, we learned some about Rick. But it was just strange to me that this book was so methodically going down the family line and basically stops at Nick. We don't get anything about Rick. And then again, as far as like the immediate uh, Hilton family circle of like Kathy, Rick, Nikki and Paris, there's almost nothing about them as like a contemporary family and the way they worked. I mean, Nikki Hilton's not in it at all. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very, it, it's a strangely structured book. It's very, I, I would call the stars of the show, Big Kathy, Conrad Hilton, Nick Hilton. If you want to read a book about those three, this is the book for you. 
And uh, this topic has been requested by listeners of both of ours, particularly listeners of Jamie's, who, you know, he goes into these deep dives on specific people that are characters in the housewife universe. And just talk about, I guess we can talk about how this kind of came to fruition and why we're releasing this as a crossover. Yeah, well, because you would come to me, I think, with the idea of reading the book, and then we would talk about it on your podcast. And it just so happened that I'd really been fielding a number of requests from people of my podcast to go more deeply into the Richard sisters. And so when you brought that up, I was like, well, actually, I'd love to do that. But I've been planning on doing kind of a Richard's focused episode for my podcast. And so then you suggested, why don't we do this as like a crossover dual release episode, which is something I had just been thinking about, like as a general concept for my podcast. So when you mentioned it, I was like, all right, this feels synchronistic. So why don't we give this a whirl? So the way we'll break this down into like easily digestible pieces, although there is going to be a lot of crossover, I think we ought to break it down into we'll give a little bit of background and then we'll do really spend a lot of time on Big Kathy because she's the mystery, quite frankly. She's the only one of these women who we have not met. We've spent a lot of time with, obviously, the Richard sisters. Now we've spent a good a, a bit of time with Kathy Hilton. And we all know Paris and Nikki. I feel like Big Kathy is, in a way, she's become this otherworldly figure. And I want to later talk about how in death... People are often, particularly I think parents in death, are often idealized by their children. Um, you know, if you're just watching The Housewives, you would think that Big Kathy was the greatest mother on earth, according to Kyle Richards. I mean, the, Kyle Richards is, is steeped in denial about her mother. And so we want to sort of peel back the layers, I think, on Big Kathy, because this book tells the truth. And it is not lining up with who Kyle thinks her mother is. Yeah, well, I mean, the book tells the truth according to, like, the people who knew the exes of Big Kathy. <laughs> I mean, I, I do believe a lot of what's in the book, but there's definitely, like, I, I just thought it was interesting, for example, how Mr. Ri Ken Richards, was his name Ken Richards? Ken, R Ken Richards is Kyle and Kim's father. That's where the Richards name comes in, her second husband. Right. And so, you know, it's just it's, so a lot of um, the information about that marriage, for example, is coming from Ken Richards' children or from, you know, his second wife or actually it would be his third wife after Big Kathy. And I just think it's interesting, for example, that those people will really frame the narrative as basically, well, my father, Ken, was just a perfect father and a great man until Big Kathy got her hooks into him and she like ruined him and took him away from us and, you know, ruined his life. And I'm I'm like, look, I am sure, as we'll get into, that Big Kathy was a nightmare. But in the words of Judge Judy, like you picked her. And, you know, I'm just it's just it was so interesting to me how everyone wanted to blame Big Kathy for being the one who sort of ruined all these men without ever really stopping to say, well, wait a second. These men chose to be with her. They saw who she was. They chose to get married to her, to be in relationships with her. They engaged in these volatile relationships and chose her over their own children. So it's like, I guess I'm just saying there's clearly a slant and a bias to the information that we're getting. What's 
fascinating and it continues to be fascinating to me just with each day I'm alive is how many people are from my home. It's not my hometown, but I guess you could say my general hometown is Long Island. We'll add another one to the list. Big Kathy is from Manhasset, Long Island, which is on the North Shore of Long Island. I had no idea that they had these roots and that Kim, in fact, was born on Long Island and she moved the family. Ken really moved the family to Los Angeles because of Big Kathy's hopes and dreams for the children of becoming child stars. But we'll flash back to Manhasset, Long Island, when Big Kathy was she's described as like a haughty drunk yeah, like she, the book just portrayed her as a very defiant, rebellious youth who wanted to do what she wanted to do when she wanted to do it. And if you tried to get in her way, she wasn't happy about it. So, you know, one of the anecdotes that the book talked about was, I guess there was some moment in time where her parents went on some trip that she had wanted to go on. They didn't let her come on the trip. They were basically like, Big Kathy, you've got to stay put. you got to go to school. And so Big Kathy, as a demonstration of her righteous rage, skipped school and apparently painted like the entire interior of their home with this gaudy gold paint. And apparently her parents came back and saw the paint job that she did and barely batted an eyelash because apparently they were just very kind of permissive and constantly turning a blind eye to just how just badly behaved she was. So it was a testament to just, this was a woman who didn't like to take no for an answer and truly was kind of like, I'm going to do what I want to do and no one better fucking stop me. The main things that drove her were, and things that she would pass down to her three children were number one, above all else, you need to marry rich. Number two, you need to know all about sex, how to perform sex. And she said literally in the best way possible. And there's a quote here that she actually asked a young man to teach Kathy Hilton how to have sex well in the back of his van. What do you think her relationship is to sex? Well, I mean, it's really interesting, right? Because you know, we were talking about this earlier in, in the in the botched recording. But, um, you know, what I find so interesting about her is the fact that, you know, as just discussed, she had this strong force of will. Like this was a woman who just went after what she wanted. And as you're saying, in this case, it was usually men. And, you know, the book talked about just how like she she truly would be obsessive in her hunt. And, you know, when she set her sights on someone, like she would almost stalk him like a prey. And it was truly like she was out for the man. She was out for the wealth and nothing could stop her. And what I found so interesting about that, though, was this contrast between like this woman who would stop at nothing to get what she wanted. But then by all accounts, there was this whole other side to her, right, where she apparently was a performer in her own right. She wanted to be a singer. Yeah, and apparently she was actually good. Like, she was a really talented singer, and apparently, you know, on occasion or at parties, she would, like, once she got a few drinks in her and she was a little lubricated and loosened up, she'd, like, risk singing. But the book talked about how she actually basically got stage fright, and it was it was very difficult for her to let herself uh, sort of full-heartedly pursue acting and singing. Because another thing that was mentioned in the book is she did actually, at one point, enroll in dramatic arts like she was in an acting school i think with like some other 
um, up and coming people who ended up becoming famous. I forget who it was. Yes, some hugely famous actor. I forget who it was. Um, somebody of like a Clint Eastwood type. Yeah, it's like I almost want to say it wasn't Marilyn Monroe, but it was like that. Yeah, it was like some huge movie star. But um, so what I just thought was so interesting is like here you have this woman who on the one hand is this force of nature who won't take no for an answer. But then when it comes to these sort of creative artistic dreams, has this fear and sort of pulls away from it and won't go after it with the same level of ferocity and intensity. And so to me, in reading the book, I just got such a deep sense of like, this is someone who learned like she has to go through the back door. Like she has to go the long way around. It's like, I can get what I want through my sheer force of will, but it's going to be through other men. It's going to be through men. It's going to be through other people's wealth. It's going to be through my daughters. It's going to be through their success. And that there was something in her, I, I imagine, I feel was learned early on around like, I, I can't bring the full force of my intensity to like the things that I want in a really direct way. And so it's like when you ask me this question about her relationship to sex and sexuality, it leads me there. And the other thing that I want, I know I'm saying a lot all at once, but the other thing that it leads me to that we were starting to touch on as well is the fact that a lot of people reported that Big Kathy uh, often would exhibit signs of what we would call like, I mean, violence for sure. Like, like almost sociopathic violence where she was doing harmful, destructive things to people where a number of people reported they felt as though like she literally actually could and would kill someone if she could get away with it. Um, which to me just suggests obviously there's there's, <laughs> there's some force of destructive rage in her that wants to kill when she doesn't get her way and when she's not happy with what's happening. And so when I put all these things together, I mean, look, I don't know what happened, but it just feels to me like my sense of Big Kathy is there was some sort of early experience of like wanting to bring that rage full force, not being able to, right? Like not being able to like, let's say defend her life or to like fight for her life. And so then like that energy kind of goes underground and she has some sort of feeling like, yeah, there's not space or room for me to like bring that full force of my intensity in a direct way. So let me bring it sideways. And given that there's just these themes of power around sexuality and how to wield it, it definitely leads me to wonder about like early experiences. I, you know, look, either maybe she was sexually assaulted, maybe she was molested, or maybe there was just like creepiness, you know what I mean, in the family system or people around her that she couldn't say no to. But just some experience of like something's happening here I don't like. I'm not able to defend myself in the way that I really want to. So now I'm just going to kind of like from the sidelines. <laughs> I'm going to try to wield my power really indirectly so that I kind of keep myself safe, but I'm still getting what I think I want. Does that make sense? Yeah, she's definitely described as being catty and bitchy, specifically towards other women. And even it's, it says both she and little Kathy, you know, Kathy Hilton would be pure evil toward 
other women. Can we talk about the screw in the cheeseburger? Yeah. Incident. Okay. So there's a story in the book that, so this is an example of her perpetuating violence against her stepdaughter. So what happened was after she and Ken Richards, who's Kim and Kyle's father divorced he he I think had children from a previous marriage anyway this this stepdaughter was over and she was interacting with like a nanny or somebody who was working at the family home and she was in her 20s and Kathy prepared a snack for her which was like a cheeseburger and she was so angry that the stepdaughter was speaking to the quote-unquote like workers in the house that she literally put a metal screw inside the cheeseburger and this girl her name is diane she in the book it says diane recounts that quote she always told me i had pretty teeth and i guess she wanted me to break them and it was all because she didn't like that she was speaking to a nanny yeah it's it's interesting it just it felt to me reading it like anytime cat big kathy sort of yeah came up against it's like any time the honeymoon was over with these men that she was chasing or came up against opposition or people who like kind of went against what she wanted for herself, it sort of would bring her into this core level of like murderous rage. And just the fact that she felt she had permission to sort of be this violent, that's kind of why I just get this sense. I feel like there was just some early experience where she wasn't where she felt that kind of like murderous rage of like, I got to like fight for my life or like, it's like kill or be killed, but like wasn't allowed to go there. And so then it kind of like that rage is sort of stayed stuck and frozen in her system. And when she finds herself kind of like activated, Mm -hmm. then it's like, she's sort of dipping back into that like survival. I'm going to get you before you can get me rage that like she didn't, get a chance to fully own back when it may have made more sense. It makes sense, actually, why she would later... She's been married four times. It would make sense that one of those later husbands was a mobster. Yeah. Yeah. It spoke a lot about her first husband was kind of similarly... Like, I think he came from a good family, but he was another one who was just kind of like kind of like a flaming burnout who was like you know had like drinking problems and again it just when you read it you're like this doesn't really feel like the type of guy for example that you're grooming kim and kyle and kathy to land and so for me i just always looked at that and i was like it's interesting it's like she says she wants these men with money and that's what she's going for but i also felt like the unconscious part of her that like truly would never settle for that and i almost felt like there was some part of her that knew this is self-betrayal. Like in the place where I'm trying to achieve my goals through this sideways way of other men, of men and their wealth and other people's money. Like, I, I mean, I even feel it as I'm saying it, like some part of me is pissed off about this because it's like, I'm betraying myself. And so I wonder if that's part of why she, <laughs> she could never actually like just draw in a guy who could take care of her, you know, until into her old age. Can we go into the themes of grooming? She projected her fantasies of Hollywood onto the three girls. Um, can we? I want to go into that, and then as well, what Paris Hilton would later embody and represent. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
backing up, she's described as being like a noisy, sloppy, drunk, a lot of themes of alcoholism between Big Kathy and, of course, Kim Richards. Um, like, it's very clear as we move into Kim Richards, it becomes very clear where a lot of her issues may have lied. And like, it's described that at age 12 and 13, she was driving the family car and picking the mom up from different bars yeah, and like driving her around. That would have to be absolutely traumatizing. Driving a car at 12 or 13. Oh, yeah. I mean, not to mention that you're like picking up drunk mom and taking care of her. Not to mention that Kim was supporting the family with her yes. money. Um, I mean, I just I mean, you know, I will say this when the book was describing Kim being born. And I think there was some kind of little anecdote they talked about, because at, at this point, um, just for the listeners sort of knowledge, uh, little Kathy Hilton, like she came into this world like a sort of the perfect picture of like the bl- blue eyed blonde haired baby she was incredibly cute that's actually how big kathy sort of got started with like getting her girls into show business so like little kathy was a baby model um her her career never sort of took off obviously in the way that kim's into a lesser extent kyle's did but what i wanted to say is by the time kim came around i remember there was just kind of this little anecdote in the book about how you know basically big kathy immediately sort of got her into the agent's office and was sort of seeing the career she could have and it really when i read that it really sort of struck me on kim's behalf like just that kim's life her life was co-opted from the moment she was born like this is a woman who never had a chance to like know who she was to know what she wanted for herself if she is an actress what her own relationship to it was like big kathy co-opted that's what i'm saying it's like she she's like on sniper from the side she's like on the sidelines like feeding off other people's money other people's energy other people's dreams and it's like Kim's energy was like co-opted by this woman literally from the day she was born and then later to read when Kim had her first daughter her response I forget what it was exactly Kim thought she was never going to go back to acting it was just going to become a mom full-time because she had this baby and apparently she said something like oh this baby is all mine you know and I, when I read that I was like oh because Kim is someone who's never had anything for herself and this is the first time i mean it's so you know it's so unhealthy right because obviously it's a human being but that sense for kim of like i finally get something that's my own it really gave me like jean benet vibes like she would put kim up to like just like perform on command you know at like parties i saw a lot of jean benet and i saw a lot of britney too you know, a lot of people were uncomfortable with Rick marrying little Kathy Hilton precisely because of big Kathy. Like, you know, she made people uncomfortable. She was really day class A. She was really. Rick, Rick Hilton's father referred to big Kathy as the madam. <laughs> and it's and it's true. She was grooming these girls. And supposedly there were other girls, too, like friends of the girls that she was helping to groom as well. Yeah, like apparently she would like bring stable of girls around. Like she would drive them around L.A. They'd hang out with like athletes and, you know, sort of, yeah, 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 like rich men of all types. Um, And I I do say like one thing that I did think was interesting that was sort of helpful for like understanding the Richard sisters point of view more is I think there was one 
friend of Kim and Kyle's who was like in that crew of girls that Kathy Hilton sort of looked after and took care of who I'm not, not not Kathy Hilton, big Kathy who said like, actually she was like to the, to that group of girls. Like she was very warm and she really kind of created a sense of like family and house and home. And to me, that was kind of one of the only glimpses of like, okay, I can kind of see this, like that there was, that there was sort of this, you know, for lack of a better word, like sort of charming or sort of loving side to Big Kathy that kind of sort of like created this little harem, but it was kind of like mama's brood. And I could kind of feel that sense of, even if it was like perverse and unhealthy, like there was love there. And I was like, Mm -hmm. okay, now I can kind of start to understand more how like Kyle, Kim and Kathy maybe can't quite see past that sort of (laughs) one layer or level of like heart and love that they felt from this woman. Yeah, just the way that the book describes it, like there was sort of this discrepancy between, you know, little Kathy knew how to cultivate this kind of good time girl, light and breezy facade. But underneath that, there was kind of like a really sort of steely will of like, no, I'm not giving it up. And there was sort of a control that she was exercising there. And there was sort of a power game she was playing. And it was just interesting to me because to me, that really did energetically match how I experience her on The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, where it's like, yeah, Kathy Hilton does this great job. Like she's kooky Kathy, you know, and she's charming and she's funny and she's sort of, you know, a little mischievous and endearingly cheeky. But to me, I mean... This whole time, I've just experienced it as, like, very cunning. You know, my experience of her on the show is, like, this woman knows exactly what she's doing. She knows how to kind of, like, you know, I'm, I'm my hands are moving. It's it, I'm pantomiming, juggling balls in the air. It's like the Kathy, the Kathy Hilton show, like the Kathy Hilton circus. Like, looks fun, sounds fun, feels light, feels playful. But underneath, like, she's, like, stabbing you in the stomach with a knife underneath the table. And then, like, if you try to say anything, it's like, oh. Well, you know, it's just Kathy. Kathy, just joking. Kathy's just fun. <laughs> Little Kathy. Um, but so it was just interesting to me to kind of like feel that energetic similarity and sort of what they described of her younger days as sort of, again, the good time party girl who like secretly is never giving it up. And just what I see as, you know, the woman, I think late 50s, 60s now, uh, but like sort of the older married woman who, again, seems to keep things so light and playful on the surface, but underneath it, like she, <laughs> she is in steadfast control of what she's doing. So I actually had not seen the Paris Hilton documentary. This is, I think it's called like, This is Paris. Um, it, it came out on YouTube uh, a few months ago. I had not seen it. So in preparation for this, I watched it this weekend. And wow, are we looking at a different Kathy Hilton in that documentary? This is not the same woman who is on The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Like, what do you make of the discrepancy between her performance on Beverly Hills versus her performance as Paris's mom? Do you believe that she didn't know that Paris was being abused at the Provo, Utah school, number one? Number two, do you believe it was this huge disappointment when Paris's sex tape came out all those years ago and made her an overnight name? I mean, it's, it's, I, I'm just trying to think back because I did watch this like over a year ago before I'd read this book and before I saw her on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. So I'm trying to like, trying to, to assimilate she's everything. Very, she's very stoic. 
there's no lightness at all. I mean, what I remember, honestly, like watching the documentary, because I remember her stoicism. And to me, my sense of things at that time was kind of like that, first of all, Paris was kind of making sure to get a lot of this on camera, including Kathy Hilton's reaction as kind of like a kind of like a fuck you kind of like, yeah, we're doing this on camera. I like like <laughs> you're you're going to be there's no kind of getting that. There's no playing like the Kathy Hilton card of like doing this behind closed doors. And it did feel to me like Paris was sort of putting her on the spot, like, you know, for a reason. And I felt like. Kathy Hilton's stoicism definitely kind of it's almost like you could sort of feel the wheels turning in her head of like okay like here this is like this is on camera I've got to be mindful exactly of like how I respond to this and how I play this so I did feel her sort of self-consciousness um you know of what was happening you know as far as the question is do do I think she knew what was going on at that school? I mean, look, I want to say this, kind of like the Erica Jane situation. I'm sure that school was not advertising what they were doing or what was going on. I forget, did Paris say like did she say that she like called her parents and told her like hey, this is what's happening? Oh my god, I don't remember. No. She would continually run away from all of those boarding schools. She ran away from like four schools successfully. I mean, it's interesting, right? Because the vibe that I'm sort of getting off it in this moment, like the words I'm hearing is like out of sight, out of mind. So it's kind of like, yeah, we might know there. We might know it's a little unsavory. Again, I'm imagining they didn't know the full extent of what was going on. But like, yeah, we might know that this is a strict place with extreme methods. But it's like, yeah, like out of sight, out of mind. We don't know what to do with her. She's a monster of our own creation. Just, you know. Put it aside. And it's interesting because what I will say, you know, I've talked before about how I think that's in large part how the family really operates. I think in terms like right now I'm feeling the out of sight, out of mind towards Paris. But I've talked before how I kind of feel like, especially from Kathy towards Kim, it's kind of like out of sight, out of mind. I don't want to know what fully happened to you. And it is interesting because then when you look over on the other side of the family in the book, there was a lot about how Conrad and Baron Hilton refused to really see what was going on with Nick Hilton. Because, you know, Nick Hilton was like spiraling out of control and he was like addicted to pills and he was an alcoholic and, you know, had domestic abuse issues. And, you know, even after his death, it's like they just never really like, you know, it talks about like his second wife talks about like basically imploring them like help him like he needs help come be there for him and that they really just it was almost like they couldn't let themselves even see or acknowledge what was happening so it's just interesting to me like on both sides of the family you kind of see this pattern of yeah we're gonna kind of set you up (laughs) to Mm -hmm. be destructive in a way through you know our negligence and you know the way that we raised you and then we're going to kind of gaslight you by holding you as like the dysfunctional troublemaking child. And then we don't want to look at sort of what you're doing. We just want to sort of cart you off somewhere. Can't you just get better? Can't you just get sober? Like we don't want to have to deal with any of this because then we have to deal with our part in it. And there is this is really kind of it was sort of the one of the only touching scenes in the book where it talks about how after Nick Hilton finally died and he I believe like he basically died of a drug overdose, although apparently Conrad Hilton like covered that up in the autopsy so that no one yeah. would know. But essentially the book saying he died of a drug overdose. And apparently like years later, Conrad Hilton paid a visit 
it's so convoluted, but to some sort of family friend. And basically in the company, that family friend finally like broke down and acknowledged like I was in competition with my son. Nothing he did was ever good enough for me. I basically fucked him up and like I I can't deal with it. And like then he left and like that was the only time it was like ever mentioned or spoken of. Wow. And what about I'm sorry, just to shift off of the men back to Kathy Hilton in Paris, the sex tape. I mean, this is right in line fulfilling Big Kathy's prophecy. Like she used to call her grand, you know, Big Kathy is now Paris Hilton's grandmother. Uh, She and Paris speaks very glowingly and lovingly of her grandmother. Like, obviously, she was a child and she, you know, they're playing black and white videos, you know, from when Paris was a kid and Big Kathy, I think, would often boast to people like Paris is going to be bigger than Marilyn Monroe. Mm-hmm. To me, I mean, honestly, like, I don't know, when I just sort of quickly drop in, it just feels like a twofold thing. Like, I kind of like as Kathy to sort of feel myself like, oh, brother, like, you know, like, yeah, like, because this is the thing. And this was true on, again, it's so interesting how the families married each other. This was true on both sides of the family tree that there was like this relationship to like sex and debauchery and like freewheeling good times and like using sexuality as like a weapon and to get things you wanted. But then there was also this pretense of like, like propriety. (laughs) I mean, kind of in the way that it was like, yeah, we little Kathy Hilton. It's like, yeah, I'm going to pretend to be this like wild promiscuous girl, but like, you're never actually having sex with me, you know? And I know on the Hilton side, at least, there was like, you know, Conrad was very preoccupied with Catholicism, even though like he in no way was acting like a good Catholic man. So um, what I feel from Kathy Hilton sort of towards Paris's sexualization in the sex tape is kind of like, oh, brother, like this is embarrassing. Like, you know, we're, you know, we're supposed to be better than this. It doesn't feel to me even like mortification. It's just like, oh, <laughs> there she goes again. She's starting, you know, as they say. <laughs> But, you know, but mixed with that also kind of like, yeah, I'm aware that there's an opportunity here, you know, so it feels kind of like both things at once. It's like, yeah, it just feels like both things at once. It's like, here she goes. Oh, boy. And yep, like this can create something. Now, what I think is so interesting, though, about so if we're looking at kind of patterns through lineage, you know, and just the fact that like, yeah, Paris Hilton kind of wielded and used her sexuality as a way to like leverage her fame. What I think is so interesting about Paris, though, is the fact that to this day, she's not married. And that unlike all the other women, she actually is sort of generating her own wealth, like through her own businesses. And so I just think if you're looking at this like as a through line, Mm -hmm. it's just interesting that like this stop, you know, in the generational line Paris is kind of like there's a way in which it feels like she's sort of inverted things like if Kathy Hilton is the woman who's pretending to be a good Catholic and like withholding her virginity and then landing a man so she can marry rich. It's almost like Paris has turned that on its head where it's like she's having sex. She's releasing the porno. She's not getting married and she's generating billions of dollars in revenue for herself. It's almost like this part of Paris. It's it's like if I hear her unconscious or her psyche speaking, it's just like. Fuck no. Like, I, like, I'm doing this my way. Like, you're not like, get away from me with that. Like, I ain't going down that road. Like, this is how I'm doing it. And in contrast, Nikki Hilton winds up marrying James Rothschild, marrying into billions of dollars. 
Well, and it's so, you know, I mean, the thing that I just kept thinking about Nikki Hilton, it's like reading about Nick Hilton. Can you imagine being named after Nick Hilton? <laughs> it's like, that was, I mean, what does that feel like? I'm named after my like pill addicted, you know, alcoholic, wife beating, philandering. Uh, it, is inter- it is interesting for anybody who hasn't seen and, and maybe I'm just like the last person on earth to watch this documentary, but it is interesting to see the two sisters together and to see Nikki's young children like they're filming in like her daughter's room and and she flat out asks like do you think you're gonna have kids and she's still kind of like I don't know you know of course like she's like frozen her eggs and you know in the course of the documentary like a boyfriend is brought in but he's a total nitwit and she eventually breaks up with him like she just always picks these it's like if they're not Paris just seems really controlling and like she she says like yeah I'm not gonna let somebody try to control me and ultimately every guy that's brought into her life tries to control her and like nobody can really handle the demands of what it is to be inside her life yeah i remember really kind of getting this sense that again on an unconscious level that for paris it's like almost something like i don't want to bring a kid into this system and into this world until i know that it's like that like it's energetically clean (laughs) you know what I mean like that there's something almost kind of like protective in her like I think it almost feels like protective of herself protective of her unborn child like she doesn't want to just perpetuate these cycles over and over and like that there is something in here that's like uh uh-uh as just a sidebar to this to this same conversation can you believe that Bethany worked for Kathy Hilton and used to babysit Paris and Nikki? <laughs> I mean, it seems so on brand for Bethany. I mean, just to like worm her way into the rich family. Yeah, it's just like, you know, I'm sure she talked a lot about it at the time. Ah, oh, I babysit for the Hiltons, you know? Oh, yeah, I babysit. I know them. I know Paris. I know Nikki. I, they're getting me in this party. I, I, I used to babysit them. I mean, how funny is that? You know, all roads lead back to... Bravo. Every road leads back to Bethany. <laughs> to Bethany Frank. She is she's the creator of the universe. When we die, the curtain lifts and there's Bethany. What is a more powerful force? Bethany Frankel or EJ Global? Or is EJ Global part of the Bethany puppetry? No, I think EJ Global is like the entire universe. And Bethany like Bethany is the planet Earth and EJ Global is the solar system. which now it makes sense that they butted heads when Bethany was on Beverly Hills because it was their power struggle. Bethany was so incensed to be in the presence of the true omnipotent force of EJ Global. That is, I have to tell you, that season, which was Erica Jane's first season, those like two episodes are my two favorite episodes of The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. When they go to the Hamptons and they go, it's like Erica Jane's like second episode, maybe it's even her first episode. It's the first episode where she meets the meets the cast. She's immediately shuttled to Bridgehampton to Bethany's house and she's showing Bethany the video for Painkiller and Bethany's like, I don't get it. So what's your brand? What's your brand? What's your brand? And <laughs> And then Bethany like has a meal for the cast of Beverly Hills and Lisa Rinna has to leave early because she shits her pants. <laughs> it is the most fun crossover of all time. Well, it would be interesting to revisit it now. Everyone must go back to those two episodes. It's so good. Um, okay. Now, 
final thoughts here about Kim Richards before moving on to Kyle and also the father. Very interesting that Kathy Hilton wanted to set Kim up with Donald Trump. And Kim, in fact, did go out with Donald Trump, but she rejected him. Uh, That's interesting. Another member of this universe. She married Monty Brinson, who was talked about on Beverly Hills quite a bit in the early years. Wasn't he on it? I think he was on it. Yeah, Monty was on it. Ultimately got pregnant by him and had the shotgun wedding. Big Kathy told Kim to give the ring back because it wasn't big enough. That child she has is Brooke, who we would see on Housewives. Remember in the early days of Beverly Hills, how every one of Kyle's party had that big fat burger truck? Do you know the connection there? Like why that truck was always there? Yeah, there's like a it's like a, a fat burger heir or something. Kim's daughter, Brooke, married to one of the heirs of fat burger. That's, so that's why that truck was always there. Just funny, like as if they would need the promotion. What I find um, interesting about all this, though, it's like, again, just from that notion of kind of the sideways pursuit of like your life's bounty. It's just so interesting to me that like, for example, Kim was actually a successful working actress who at one point, you know, per the book was earning seven figures. And it's like, it's just so interesting that even though Kim was generating so much success as an actress, there still was this this kind of like uh, directive of go find a wealthy man. Like you would think that if she were generating the success for herself, it's like go off, like cultivate that, be a movie star. But what I also thought was interesting, I mean, I guess in some ways it's also indicative of the times because per the book, when it gets into the Hilton stuff, like when it talks about, I think was it like Elizabeth Taylor, for example, whom um, Nick was married to, um, you know, it talked about like, you know, when she was at the start of her career and, and again, like having success, apparently she was itching to find a man and to like marry wealthy. So it was just it was really striking to me to read about these different women who were already achieving like really deep success for themselves. And yet, despite having kind of independent wealth and the capacity to earn and create great lives for themselves, there still was this orientation to like, well, I got to find a rich man to take care of me. I wonder if it's because ultimately the woman, you know, whoever the successful woman is, is going to have children and not be able to work. I don't know. But I still think like what's interesting, though, about even the difference between Kim Richards and Elizabeth Taylor, for example, is like, you know, Elizabeth Taylor was still, you know, she was at such a like like a certain upper echelon of success. Um, whereas Kim, it felt like there was still so much room for her to grow. So it was just, again, I just found it so interesting that, you know, in big Kathy's world and in the Richards world, it wasn't like, go Kim, go become the next Elizabeth Taylor, you know, and then get married. It was like, okay, like, this is great. You know, we love the success. We love the lights. We love what you're earning. But like, by the way, the real mission here is you better still go nab, you know, a wealthy man even though you're generating all this success for yourself as an independent woman. Um, The final note of Kim Richards' trauma that I do want to bring in here. So all of her marriages uh, ended in divorce. So at one point she had this boyfriend, um, John Collette, and he was like a Bernie Madoff type. He was shot in the head outside a deli in the valley, and she was on the phone with him at the time of the shooting. 
she so she just can't catch a break <laughs> well and what i think is interesting the last thing i'd like to note about her it's like you know you're reading her story right and then as you're reading kind of about kim richards like trials and tribulations you of course you know feel really bad for her and you're like oh this woman never had a chance and then there was that comment from her la- like i don't even know did they get married the the last baby daddy who was uh-huh. on the show once he's really good looking uh-huh. um some rich some really rich guy who she had her her last daughter with he he actually spoke to the author and he was quoted in the book and he talked about basically he was comparing Kim to Big Kathy and sort of saying like oh like basically once he met and got to know Big Kathy he sort of saw where Kim got all her stuff and he he talked about specifically like Kim's selfishness Kim like being a nightmare and it reminded me like oh wait right and we've seen this we've seen glimpses of this on the show like how Kim can just be totally self-absorbed self-centered narcissistic like emotionally immature and it just reminded me you know in the place where you know obviously human beings are very complex and nuanced and we have many different sides to us it was just interesting for me to kind of have this experience of reading this book and feeling sort of like the tragedy of Kim's life and then at the very end just being reminded oh wait a second though this woman is most likely a nightmare you know in to the people in her life and and just sort of holding you know those two sides of her of like god it's you know your heart goes out to her and also i'm sure she's just not a pleasant woman to to have to deal with and to to know my, now, moving on to Kyle, Kyle Richards, and then weaving in a bit of Ken Richards, their father. So my two biggest takeaways, when Big Kathy was dying of cancer, it was Kyle who took care of her. Maybe this is also why she is the one who's you know so emotionally attached to the mother. Kathy Hilton was busy raising Paris Hilton, who was you know having to be shipped off because of all the bad behavior. Kim, at this point, is an addict. So it fell on Kyle to take the time when her mother was sick to take care of her. So I found that to be very interesting. Can you speak a bit about the idolization or the idealizing of certain people when they die as it's as it appears the sisters have? I mean, do you think it's when she died or do you think they always did that? I mean, I, you know, my feeling is like, well, I guess what you're, I mean, you know, is that what we saw Jax Taylor do, you know, with his father? Once the father oh, was yeah. dead, he like deified him. I guess the question is why? Is this a self-preservation thing that we as human beings do? Oh, I need to sit with this for a second because it's so counter to how I am. <laughs> so it's like not something I've ever really sort of stopped. I mean, it's more like when I think about Jax and his dad. I mean, what's interesting about Jax, though, is it's like also it's it's in opposition to his mother. So it's like he deifies his dad in death and his mother is the monster. And I think in Jax's case, it feels like that kind of push-pull of the deification and the demonization, it, it feels like it's a buffer from him having to feel things more deeply. So it's like if he evened it out, right, and if he were willing to see that his dad was flawed, and if he were willing to see that his mother, you know, is a human being who's sort of trying the best that she can. Yeah, it's like, even as Jax, when I say that, I I just suddenly start feeling these feelings. Like, suddenly I feel my rage as Jax of, like, you know, just the limitations of both my parents and what I didn't get. You know, and then, of course, underneath that, if he were to feel that more deeply, he'd have to sort of feel the grief and the sadness of being disappointed. So, I think in his case, 
the deification really prevents him from having to drop deeper into his emotional life. So, you know, if I kind of translate that over to, you know, Kyle and Kim and um, again, I don't know if they started deifying her after death or they just always sort of deified her. It's kind of like, yeah, it's like I never really have to deal with emotional reality. It's so much easier for me to kind of live in this narrative that she was the perfect mom. And then, you know, so many pieces rely on that narrative because then Kim's sort of the fuck up. I'm the good one as Kyle. Like, I'm the one, you know, even when you said, like, Kyle's the one who's sort of taking care of her, like, the flash I got was like, oh, and then she gets to be the good favored daughter, you know, which there's just seems like there was so much of that in that family of, like, you know, I mean, the book even said that, that, like, uh, Big Kathy would, like, have them kind of compete against one another. That she'd pit them against each other. Yes. So, you know, I think it's clear, like, all of them wanted to be the favorite. So, you know, Kyle gets to be the favorite, taking care of mom, you know, to the very end. And there's a charge that she gets out of that. And I think that if Kyle were to take Big Kathy off her pedestal and to really see her for whom she is and see, like, holy shit, like, my mom pit us against each other and was playing these games, it's like... She's got to feel stuff that I don't think she's been letting herself feel for her entire life, including, by the way, and I think this is true of Kathy Hilton, too, just the ways that she let Kim take the fall for a lot of stuff. The way that Kim got cast as the fuck up and sort of like the the albatross around the family's neck, you know, I think. You know, there's a part that Kathy and Kyle played in that. It served them because, again, they get to be the good daughters. And, um, you know, so I think there's a lot there that Kyle gets to kind of not look at and avoid if Big Kathy's just like the amazing, strong matriarch who like raised her daughters the best that she could. I want to move into a little bit deeper about Ken Richards, the father, and his relationship to the girls. So my view i read him as being like a good man a good father just like on paper he seems like a good guy he apparently he wanted to adopt kathy you know little kathy but big kathy wouldn't let him because she wanted complete control of her and they lived in a house bel-air he built this house for big kathy eventually Big Kathy started spiraling, drinking heavily, cheating. He, at one point, they thought he was going to have a heart attack. And in fact, their divorce took nine years, like Bethany and Jason style. And he made his girlfriend, like, you know, before they got divorced, he was in a new relationship, made his girlfriend power of attorney so Kathy wouldn't have any control. I found that interesting. But what's most interesting is about this house. So the house that Ken built for them and raised the girls in the original. Do you remember the season one house that Kyle and Mauricio lived on? Oh yeah. I'll never lived, forget lived it. in. Yeah. That dark house. That house was on the same street as the house that she grew up in. Oh, really? The one that Ken Richards built for them. And eventually she moved maybe like a little bit further away, but a few years ago, when she and Mauricio made that big move to Encino, she made such a big deal about it because I think that's the furthest away she ever moved from her childhood home. Oh, so meaning the house that Sutton's now in, you're saying that was still kind of really close to the other two homes? Yes, still in the vicinity. Okay. It not that interesting that she would move live on the same street as her childhood home? This is my town. <laughs> I'm born and raised in, Be- in, in Beverly Hills. In Beverly Hills. <laughs> this is my town. 
Um, you know, I, what I thought was so interesting, I mean, this is kind of connected to what you're saying. There was, there's one, you know, ac- you know, sister of an ex or whomever who basically just said like the Richard sisters were so mean. And when I read that comment, it just so reminded me of like early era Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, Kyle, and just what a mean girl. Like Kyle truly was, I forget this sometimes, she was one of my least favorite housewives those first few seasons because she felt so mean. And she's, you know, I give Kyle credit. Like she's, she's savvy, you know, and she pivoted like after season two, when she got all that flack for how she treated Brandy and game night, Kyle pivoted in a major way. And I have to say, she kind of fooled me a little bit. I feel like now that LVP is gone, it's it's really created more space to see Kyle for whom she is and how savvy she is as far as like kind of playing that producer role. But um, why am I saying this? I guess I guess it just reminded me, like I said, that there really is this sort of mean streak in Kyle. So when I hear you talking about her kind of staying so close to home and the way she reveres Big Kathy, I mean, to me, it all kind of tracks. It just sort of feels like, yeah, she was just really indoctrinated into like the cult of Big Kathy and that it was sort of a cutthroat catty world. And it was sort of all about power and competition and that it is something that she really kind of, I mean, this is the thing that I want to say that's coming to me in this moment, kind of like what I was saying earlier about that one sort of girl who reported that Big Kathy created this loving kind of hearth and home. It's like you got to realize, I think for someone like Kyle, who, by the way, does seem connected to her heart and has created her own kind of really heart-based family unit for her daughters, I think there probably really is kind of something almost inextricably linked for her between kind of love and closeness and collusion and meanness. Mm. It's like us against them. So I think that, yeah, I think that she's really kind of put this whole experience on a pedestal and that there is something so deeply connected to where she comes from. And it's also kind of like the source of her limitations as well. It seems like after the divorce, the girls maintained a good relationship with Ken Richards. Two of them. Because the book really talked about how like Kathy really kind of wanted nothing to do with him. But isn't it interesting that they never talk about him on the show? That's what I think so interesting. They've created this narrative. Kyle has said repeatedly, our mom was a single mom. And it's like, it's not true. She was a single mom of her own creation. She eventually kicked this guy out so she could turn it into Animal House. And also, this was related to Ken Richards. He Because he ended up like really broke, right? And un- barely able to take care of himself. And he was sick. And like apparently went to Kathy and Rick Hilton and was like, can I borrow money just so I can pay my medical bills? And, and you know, I think, I don't know if we explain this to the listeners, like, yeah, he was ready to adopt Kathy Hilton as his own. And like, basically what the book portrayed is like, Kathy never wanted anything to do with him. And like, just basically just acted like he didn't exist and didn't acknowledge him. Correct me if I'm wrong, because again, the book gets so convoluted, but the infamous house of You Stole My House, the palm, like the desert house, wasn't that actually Ken Richards house and big Kathy somehow ended up manipulating her way to steal it from him? Yes, because she forged his signature. 
she literally shit. committed a criminal act to steal it. It's just, and again, I just love the lineage. Like, like you look at these sort of patterns passing down through lineage, where Big Kathy literally stole this house from him, and then you have Kim yelling at Kyle, "You stole my goddamn house!" It's just so fascinating. What do you make of this ongoing 10 year plus rift between the three sisters that it seems like they can never all three be on the same page that like one has to always be on the outs? Well, that's what I'm saying. To me, that's like evidence of the collusion. Like, I think I think that's how big Kathy wanted it. I'm sure they I'm sure they never were all getting along because this is how like big Kathy maintained control and was like the mama hen. Right. So it's like I just think they're so used to being triangulated and it's always one against two you know and again that's why i'm saying it's like you see that in the early years with how kyle kind of even operated socially it was just like there was a way in which she sort of wanted someone on the outside and we're banding against that one woman um when kyle and kathy were talking in that episode recently and they were talking about american woman and Kyle was sitting there being like but no it was it was it was like you know in honor of mom and it a love letter to mom. Yeah, and it was only loosely based on our life and da 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 da. Like when I was watching her say that, Jess, like I was just sitting there, like I don't believe a word of this. Like I feel like there was something really passive aggressive that Kyle actually. I mean, I believe her that it was a sanitized version of their life. Like she wasn't like airing their dirty laundry, but the show, her making a show even loosely based on their family, I could just feel it. I was like, there's some sort of, again, there's some sort of fuck you in this. Like, Kyle, you weren't innocently writing a love letter to your family. You were doing some sort of power play. You know it. Kathy knew it. And like, that's what's what's going on here. But, you know, all this stuff's like under the surface. I don't even think they know what they're doing half the time. And the image that they draw up or the example that Kathy Hilton draws up of like the mom floating in the pool with a cigarette or something. Yeah. That's exactly the type of thing that Big Kathy would have been doing at that house. That tracks exactly. Did she say that she never would have done that? Yeah, she's like that scene in the pool. Like apparently there was that's that was a closing scene of one of the episodes, and that was was what like really you know that was just something that really annoyed Kathy Hilton to see like mom portrayed in this way. It's like it's a direct and 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 uh, Kyle's like no, it's not meant to be taken literally, but like. Me having now read this book, it's like, oh, yeah, like, of course, that's Big Kathy. Well, it kind of reminds me of like what's going on in Potomac. It's like when I hear you like repeat back that like that's what Kathy was citing as like the reason for her anger. To me, it's like, no, that's the like that's that's what you're coming up with as like the justification for kind of like how Karen Huger's on this whole thing about like you wished death on Ray. And it's like, that's not actually what Giselle did. And I think you're angry about other stuff, but like, this is the thing that you're saying you're angry about. Um, that's just kind of what it feels like to me. It's like, you can't go into what this is really about. So you're going to like pick at this sort of one arbitrary thing. That's like not yes. even close to the full story. This this really has nothing to do with anything, but I find it interesting. The reason that Kyle looks the way she does, you know, her hair, her eyes, the dark skin tone, the olive skin tone, that is all from Ken Richards because he's dark. Whereas Kim and Kathy got the blonde fairness from Big Kathy. I just think it's interesting. Yeah, Kyle looks different. There's sort of an energetic difference between her and the other two sisters. 
Although then also what's also interesting is the fact that Kim and Kyle have the same father. And so there's a way that Kathy is the outsider. From mm-hmm. the from the perspective of triangulation, it's just interesting how they each have their different ways of like being included and also being an outsider. It's really, really fascinating. All right. I think we did it. Yeah. <laughs> we should have fielded questions beforehand. We should have been like, what do you want to know about the House of Hilton? <laughs> I mean, I guess that's it. Uh, Jamie, where can everyone... I mean, I could, we should just do our natural sign-offs here. Mm-hmm. Um, well, where can everybody follow you? Yeah, follow me on Instagram if you haven't already. Jamie Stein, J-A-M-I-E-S-T-E-I-N. I have lots of Bravo content there and sometimes even answer some quick hit questions. And as always, if you're interested in the work I do, head on over to my website, hollywoodreadings.com, and you can read more about it there. And you can also email me. You can follow me at JessXNYC and the podcast show account is Hot Takes Deep Dives and Jamie and I will be back. I know that we both have some uh, early feelings about Winter House and Vanderpump Rules and I'm sure we'll do something not too far in the future related to those. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. 